Welcome to the Splinters Podcast from the team on the bench. Community Radio's leading no-holds-barred Friday night sports show. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Raging Bull, Anthony Caruso. Good evening and welcome to Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download on podcast.com, TuneIn Radio, Apple iTunes, Google Play and all good podcast sites. We do this all for our sponsors at Magpies Waitara, the action attraction of the North Shore and your AIHL champions, the all about caring Sydney Bears. This is Anthony the Bull Caruso and we are a matter of days away from the start of WBBL 5. Such as the growth of the competition, uh, that along with the fact that we've got the world's men's and women's T20 championships happening next year in Australia, the WBBL has now become a standalone competition. It's a big win for the competition, it's a big win for the players involved, and indeed a big win for the TV studios who have discovered an absolute ratings winner in the WBBL. Joining me to discuss this tonight is the Sultan himself, Tony Dawson. Good evening to you. Joining me in the studio here as well is uh, the wise man himself, our resident cricket expert, Matt Mears. Good evening to you. Uh, good evening, Caruso. Good evening, all. Yes, excited to come on that one. It's a women's sport, women's cricket in particular, something that us here at Triple H, we're uh, very keen on being part of the evolution journey that they're going on. And, and as we mentioned, that uh, their first standalone BB, uh, WBBL competition played early because of the uh, the upcoming women's um T20 World Cup that will be in February and March next year. It's uh, it's some exciting times and I'm looking forward to the preview. Now, unfortunately, we couldn't get our special guest on tonight who would have been uh, one of our f- player with one of our favourite teams, the Gordon Mighty Reds, um, but she has been re-signed with the Sydney Thunder and at some point during the year, Tony, we will be graced with the presence of young Saskia Hawley. I was just going to say, I was waiting for the name, actually, but look, Saskia Hurley is very highly regarded in Sydney grade circles. She's been a mainstay on that Gordon side uh, for some time now. And uh, she's worthy of a crack in WBBL cricket at some stage. Uh, during this season, she's a quality all-rounder. Let's get straight into it. Tonight, we'll be previewing the eight teams competing in the WBBL. We'll look at the critical transfers in the competition in what has become the biggest women's provincial cricket competition in the world. With that, let's start the bash right here on Splinters. No, Matt Mears, I'm not talking about the old bash of the beach as well. Oh, jeez. Well, you got, you got buddy Hollywood Hulk Hogan or Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Roddy Piper, where, where, where else is going to come yeah, out? I think, I think we're starting with the, uh, uh, the Sydney Bash uh, on Friday night. 
the two Sydney sides are against each other to start WBBL 5 as part of a big weekend at Brinson Yellow. That's Friday night, the, uh, as you listen to it on the, on the podcast, Friday night, the 18th of October. Three of the four semi-finalists that gave us that remarkable day of sport at Tremoyne Oval just nine months ago are going to be featuring in this uh, festival over the first weekend at North Sydney Oval, the two Sydney sides having the Sydney Bash Friday night. It will be the uh, Sydney Sixers versus the defending champions, the Brisbane Heat, on Saturday night, and then the Sydney Thunder playing the Brisbane Heat on Sunday afternoon. A great start. The WBBL season. Absolutely. Let's get straight into it. We've got our first team up, the Adelaide Strikers, coached by Andrea McCauley. They finished sixth last year. Uh, this is a team that's going to go through quite a few changes. So to go through them to start off with, Tony, the five the five players coming in for them, Darcy Brown, Katie Mack, Annie O'Neill, Lauren Winfield, and the, the big transfer for them, Stephanie Taylor from the Sydney Thunder. Yes, indeed. Uh, but it, I wouldn't say clean up, it's certainly a change of the guard at the Sydney Thunder. Um, but don't take anything away from her. Um, Darcy Brown, 16 years of age, is very highly regarded in the South Australian system. Uh, Lauren Winfield is uh, an Englishwoman who was one of the few Englishwomen to maintain a reputation during the Ashes series. And uh, Annie O'Neill has done the hard yards in Adelaide Women's Premier Cricket for some time. There's uh, still a bit of a question mark on Katie Mack, uh, depending on her transfer, but if she can come across, she will add some uh, uh, very much badly needed uh, starts to that top order. The problem with the uh, Sydney of the Adelaide Strikers in recent years is that they've relied too heavily on the Kiwi Bash sisters of Sophie Devine and Susie Bates at the top. And there hasn't been enough support uh, underneath in that top order uh, if Bates and or Divine both fail. Yes, Tally McGrath has come along nicely in recent times, uh, but Katie Mack, if she can come across alongside Taylor, will certainly give Bates and Divine the support they need to give the runs that the likes of Megan Schutt can bow at with the new ball. But now, that means the players coming out no. Uh, only one real surprise. We'll go through the non-surprises first. Danielle Hazel, unavailable due to international duties. Eliza Doddridge and Caitlin Pope have been dropped to supplementary contracts. They've lost Samantha Betts, who has moved to the Perth Scorchers. But as Tony was mentioning before, this is a team that's often been known as a very good bowling unit. But as he said, if Bates and Devine don't fire, they're, they're in all sorts of trouble. Well, they certainly are. But uh, when, when you add the likes of Stephanie Taylor, who really was... I wouldn't say wasted, but uh, she wasn't required in that Sydney Thunder lineup. A lot of the time, she'd be finding herself batting number six, bowling minimal overs. So she'd come to the Adelaide Strikers, where she'd be in a more high-profile role. When you got the likes of Megan Schutt, Amanda w- Jade Wellington with her leg spin, Talia McGrath, we've also seen play with the Australian lineup. There are bowlers there; they they can get the job done. Obviously, Stephanie Taylor will, will also add some spinners to that attack as well. But when you look at and let's not forget that Devine is more than a handy fast, medium bowler as well. Well, yeah, you certainly can't forget that too. So I said, but that's always been, as you, as you said, Caruso, their, their bread and butter has been their bowling a lineup. I said, when you watch Megan Shook bowl those in swingers, or gets me going. But, uh, <laughs> well, mate, I'm an I'm a in swing bowler. It's Sorry. like for like, mate. I said, 
we uh, we right arm in swing and bowlers appreciate the art of other right arm in swing and bowlers, but when you look at that bowling lineup, uh, the batting lineup now, Bates and Devine will be certainly at the top, but now they'll be given even more of a license when you have the likes of Stephanie Taylor coming in at number three or number four. If you can build that sort of top six rather than that top one, two, three, then it, when you have players like that, you give them the license that's going to make a more rounded cricket side. There's one other thing that I've noticed with this lineup as well, Tony, and it's the lack of left-handers. That is true. They're very right-handed dominant, um, which means that opposition bowling attacks can get around and leak through, and particularly if you can nibble uh, divide and Bates early, you do have a bit of a weakness outside the rest stuff early in their innings, uh, particularly the first six to eight deliveries they face. Look, for mine... I think they're on the edge of the four, but when you look at what this is up against them, um, I'm not sure they can make that quantum leap uh, into top two or three contention this season. So I want to see them make regular runs with the bat around Bates and Divine before I jump on the bandwagon. I'm similar there. I think they've done really well recruiting for this competition. Problem is other teams have done that as well. They're going to be there. They're going to win some good games, but they're going to be fighting for that fourth place. I just don't think they're going to get there. Let's move on to the next teams. The Brisbane Strikers, coached by Peter McGiffin. Last year, they pulled off the unbelievable. They finished third in the competition. They beat the Sydney Thunder in the semi-final, and then out of nowhere, pulled off the Dremoyne Oval Heist of the Sydney Sixers. That is just something that dreams are made of. I said, but watching some of the women's one day is that was it was replayed over and over again. That that uh, that catch on the boundary there, but that's what's created the theatre of the WBBL. The games can go down the line, whether it's runouts by Alyssa Healy um, from the at the non-strikers end as a wicketkeeper, or great catches on the boundary when the other side needed six to win. It's just that's what creates it. And it was a great effort by the strikers last year to come from almost nowhere against the fancy Sydney Sixers side. They're always going to be favourites in this competition, but they're going to take a lot of confidence out of that, knowing that they can take it to the the more fancy teams, and they're going to be even better this year. Well, uh, yes, they weren't fancy going into the finals, but really, when you look at their lineup, is it any really any surprise that they they went all the way? I mean, they've got Beth Mooney and Grace Harris, who are as dynamic. Uh, a top order uh, duo at the top of any batting order in the women's game. Uh, you've got uh, Australian spin bowler Jess Jonathan. You've got uh, Teresa Kimmins, who is a very vastly underrated all-rounder. And Sammy J. Johnson, if she was in another country, would be first choice fast bowler. But she's fifth or sixth in the Australian picking order. Her wickets with the new ball were just as important last year. They're all coming back. And you're throwing the likes of Amelia Kirby, uh, boom, New Zealand league spinner at 18 years of age, who has already played two years of international cricket, uh, and Maddie Green is set to make her debut this summer, um, plus a couple of transfers across, Michaela Hinkley, uh, her sister of Saskia has come across uh, from New South Wales via Perth, via the Hurricanes, Lily Mills, another very much highly rated local Brisbane product, and they've got pretty much most of the bases covered. I expect them to win really early their games at home. Uh, we'll see how they back up uh, this weekend uh, on weekend one against both Sydney sides away from home. Um, if they can do 
deal with the casual hangover and doing the hunted rather than the hunters, there's no reason to suggest why the strikers won't be there on semi final weekend again. Let's go through the plays out. Uh, Tony just going through the plays in, but the plays that have um, departed the team down, Mizzy. Laura Waldvart is, uh, is unavailable due to international commitments. Josie Dooley has moved to the Melbourne Renegades. Sun Lus unavailable due to international commitments. But you, you were mentioning to this to me before, the loss of Gemma Barsby to the Perth Scorchers has massive ramifications, not just on the field, but off it as well. Well, I was, we did mention this before we went to, um, we press, before we pressed the record button, was this was even mentioned by Grace Harris? She was on, on the, the Channel 7 coverage um, in the lunchtime break talking about the Brisbane Heat, and she called that one out as well because she obviously brings something to the side as well. She is son of Queensland legend Trevor Barsby as well, but off the field as well. It's one of those ones when sometimes you bring a core group together. Everybody has their piece of the jigsaw puzzle. Sometimes even just one removal of that one little jigsaw puzzle can just throw every all the dynamics off just a little bit. I would hope for the for the heat's sake that Gemma Barsby coming out isn't as big as disruption as it could be, but if it's being called out in that sort of arena, obviously it's something that has been noticed around the heat players in their preseason. Look, as I mentioned before, yes, but Gemma Barsby will be a loss. Probably more off the field than on the field. She, uh, her, uh, yes, she did make key runs at some stages in the back end of those pointy end matches last summer, but there's enough quality and there's enough class across the rest of that heat lineup to cover for her. Kirby Shaw, for instance, has been a long time Queensland uh, stirrer, and uh, she is very much one of those hard nosed players that you need, but she'll probably step up and be that uh, uh, sail of the side uh, role in place of Gemma Barsby. Also to Sammy Joe Johnson, also to Georgia Prestwich, uh, the daughter of another Queensland uh, Scott Stewart and Scott Prestwich. Look, I can't see anything but uh, uh, these, these Brisbane Heat side making semi-finals minimum. I have to agree with Tony. When you when you look through that lineup, you have the Harris sisters, Jess Johnson, Lisa Kimmins, Beth Mooney, Sammy Joe Johnson, Presswood. You can keep going on and on and on. They've they've got to be in the semi-finals for sure. I'm a massive fan of um, Amelia Kerr in particular. Um, high quality leagsmen, the high quality leagsmen are from New Zealand, and um, it has to be said, Mizzy. Probably one of the best Romans I've seen in women's cricket. I think one of the best Romans in in all of cricket. I said when you when you're that young and of of an age, you're not expected to be reaching your peak as a spin bowler until your mid to late twenties. To be able to do that at her age is just something phenomenal. She'll only get better. Well, she'll be a key factor in this Brisbane heat attack, um, but um, she will need the likes of Sally Jo Johnson and Jennifer Kimmins to do that thing with the new bird so that she can make inroads into that middle order. Let's move on to the third team in the lineup. It's the Hobart Hurricanes, coached by Sally Ann Briggs. Last year, they were eighth and last in the competition, and they've really gone hard at their transfers this year. Who's come in? Rihanna O'Donnell, so for Mizzy, Rihanna O'Donnell has moved to Tasmania from Victoria and the Melbourne Renegades, looking to get a more permanent position in the starting lineup. Ash Day has been picked up from Penrith in the New South Wales competition. It's a Golden opportunity. She's only 20 years of old to go there. 
Alex Hartley, originally announced to come in as a replacement for Heather Knight, who was originally who's going to be missing the first part due to injury. Uh, Alex made a lasting impression in the energetic Lancastrian and World Cup winner is making a return to Hobart. She'll be crucial to the team with her spin. Then the news that not only is Taylor Vomanick coming to from across from the Melbourne Renegades, but Heather Knight has announced that she will be there for the second half of the season. Well, with, with what... what with what happened? She'll be a key factor here tonight when she comes in. She very much was the one shining light last summer uh, in uh, the Hobart Hurricanes performances. Um, she very much carried the field with both that and Bill. Um, she'll be looking to uh, prove a point in the back half of the season when she does come to Australia on the uh, back of that very disappointing Ashes series personally and collectively from her perspective uh, as England were pretty much uh, wiping the floor with uh, uh, Australia at the receiving end. But Ash Day's been a good pickup, uh, as has Alex Hartley. Look, the Hobart Hurricane turn of the where they always have to rely on recruitment from the mainland due to the fact that they don't have a large competition at home in Tasmania. Um, they won't have Sweetie Mandana this time around uh, because the BCCI have uh, put the, uh, the time dash on Indian players coming out for this edition of the WBBL due to the timing of the WBBL. So they're going to have to make do with the legs of Max leading from the front, Gary having to... Uh, come in, and then the likes of uh, Evergreens like Veronica Pike and, uh, and uh, Brooke Hepburn and Aaron Fazakali, and then Hayley Matthews, the, one interna- the other international player of the West Indian, who uh, has been a disappointment, it's got to be said. At her best, she is well and truly up to the class. In saying so about that, I'm not sure whether the Hurricanes, even for their, uh, uh, even for their recruitment, can get themselves into the semi-finals. I don't think they're on last, but I don't think they can make the fall. Well, I said, they've shown that they're serious, the Hurricanes here. They did go on that signing, that signing spree. Tala Valamic as well. Saw what she could do in the uh, in the uh, one-day series against the Sri Lankans that's just finished up where she was taking... And she'll be key with the new ball, Lucy, without question. She's going to have to take bags of wickets at a fairly economical rate, regularly with a pace for Oppositions to on the back foot against this Hurricanes rider. Well, we saw what she did when she was taking the new ball over the likes of Megan Schutt and Elise Perry in that Australian side. So she'll be carrying that bowling attack for the Hurricanes. As I said it's not a team with those big names, but uh, they certainly, it's certainly a bit more shrewd, the Hurricanes. They try and find those players that uh, are there or thereabouts of, along Australian selection, a little bit like the Tasmanian men's team as well have to do. They have to sign one or two big players from the mainland. They've done the same thing here. So the Hurricanes, they, they, they've only built, but again, with all the other teams also lifting up a level as well, I don't think it'll be quite enough. They'll probably finish that fifth or sixth or seventh position as well. The other question to come out for the um, Hurricanes position is the confusion around who Georgia Renmain is going to be. The latest word is that she's transferred to the Perth Scorchers, but for some weird reason, the Hobart Hurricanes still have her listed as a player in their squad. So I don't know if anyone's heard anything about that one there, but if she has left the Hurricanes for the for the Scorchers, that's a big loss for the Hurricanes. Massive hands on their top order. She can also take up the gloves as well. So uh, we'll keep a watch on that. If she does not suit up for the Hurricanes, uh, that's going to make it even harder for the likes of Bromwich to bail at 
We then move on to the Melbourne Renegades and uh, just the two players in for them, Matt Mears. Josie Dooley was transferred for the Brisbane Heat, but they've picked up Tammy Beaumont. Well, that's a huge in for the uh, for the Renegades there. We, we all know what Tammy Beaumont's done for the, the English national side. Is filling a big hole in the uh, in the loss of Amy South of weight, but I said if you're looking for someone to fill that hole, they've done very well in getting Tammy Beaumont. Of course, uh, she's, an she's an outstanding uh, opening at bat, Tammy Beaumont. Scores at a very quick rate. Um, she was tied down. A big reason why Australia won that Women's Ashes series uh, in the campaign just competed with the Beaumont's firm was kept quiet. She didn't make a lot of runs. Um, at the top of that English order. If you can refine her firm here, well then maybe the Renegades can go one step further from that heartbreaking semi-final loss last season because they do have the nucleus of a good side, Claire Kosky, who is an evergreen at the top of the order with that bat and door. Sophie Molyneux has played a lot of one-day cricket for Australia. Manny Strano, an underrated off-spinner. And then Daniel Wright, who is a... Uh, uh, a very underrated all-rounder from England. And then we've got Leah Kahubu, who is still regarded by many as one of the fastest uh, opening bowlers in the women's game. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they line up. Obviously, Tammy Beaumont comes in at the top of, of the order. That's probably where I see the, the, the Renegades struggling, is that um, they need to make runs in this team. Other than Beaumont, maybe some out of Kershaw, not a lot of big runs that I see there, but with the bowling, it's going to be a big factor as well. Exactly right, but but with that bowling lineup with with Tahuhu, you've got George Wareham, who we saw um, taking wickets for the Australian side. Molly Strano, they've got the they've got the, yeah, exactly right. So they've got they've got the the basis of a good bowling attack there. Runs are going to be the the issue for mine. So again, they're going to be that ones that are pushing for the four, but probably end up five or six. And we should mention as well a quick congratulations to their uh, former now former captain Amy Southwaite. She will be unavailable for WBBL four following the announcement. She's expecting her first child with partner Leah Tahuhu, who will continue playing. Expected arrival date will be sometime in January 2020. So we. Wish uh, Amy all the best with her uh, upcoming arrival. Indeed, absolutely. As well as uh, partner Leah uh, for WBBL Look, I think they could. They're, they're one of those two or three sides that will be fighting for that third spot in the semis. Your thoughts, Mizzy? Well, as I, as I said before, um, batting batting will be their problem. Um, bowling, they bowling, they look to have all bases covered. Pushing for the four, but five or six, I think, is where they'll end up. Now, before we go to our break, we're going to have a little bit of a chat about the uh, the whole um, situation with the TV rights um, with the TV rights deals. the The negotiation that occurred a couple of years ago, um, which was eventually won by uh, Foxtel in partnership with Channel Seven, uh, was meant to create a bigger release, including a certain pot, uh, a certain pie that was going to be available to pay for the women's players. We've seen from the recent announcements, of course, that the payment for women's in the WBBL has gone up and gone up considerably to the point now where some of your elite players are getting twenty-five to $30,000 for the WBBL campaign. It has to be said that's when you consider that it is a, what, two-month campaign, that's not something you can just sneeze at, is it? That's quite decent now. No, 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 no
lot of people in and around women's sport, they still seem to think they've got a long way to go. That's why this summer is very important to see really just how much support there genuinely is for WPPL as a standalone product. Yes, it's going to be cheap entry prices to get in, 10 or 15 bucks for a great night out and a great day out to watch some of the best women's players in the world. But given that the Channel 7 is only going to telecast eight of those matches on their main channel, and of those eight matches, you've got two semis, a final, and a couple of games early. That's pretty much most of your eight. How many people will tune into seven, mate, and how many people will actually fork out the cash to go and see a match, particularly matches that aren't televised, is going to be the key factor as to whether the WBBL can press ahead and increase player payments, because if you haven't got the income, you can't pay the incomes out. Uh, it's simple as that. Well, I, I think it's baby steps as well. I think that there are some people out there that just they see the success of the of the women's game, and yes, it is growing, and it, and it's great to see that it's growing. But it's like, yes, in two years they should be on the same as the men. Unfortunately, we're not at that stage yet. They need to build at the rate that they're building. They need to take those small but significant steps. I'm interested to see how the the World T Twenty goes here. Obviously, the final being on World's Women's Day in March next year, the the um, MCG looking at breaking the women's um, record right, crowd right. of over 90,000. That, I reckon, will be a, a point in time where we'll see a shift in the women's game, whether they can do that. But another thing they also did bring out in the week was, in last week was, the announcement the Australian will be paying maternity leave to their women's players. So, again, Australia is leading the front in how the women are being remunerated as well as the conditions that they play under. So, as I said, these steps are being taken. They're probably not as quick as some people would like, but they are coming. When you compare that to the, uh, the fury that's developing in AFLW at the moment where there is a split in some of the player ranks as to how quickly they should be paid, given that the AFLW doesn't charge entry for their matches still at the moment, and you've got to say that WBBL, alongside a couple of other women's competitions out there, they need the W League, are at the forefront still of women's sport in this country. And one of the things it's going to do is it's just that, that, that culture that it's going to be bringing, it's just going to keep encouraging girls to get into cricket, which is, is now the fastest growing team sport that's in the country. You've got to develop numbers of players at grassroots because the more players you get at grassroots, the greater, by law of averages, the numbers filtering through the club system and therefore a natural increase in the quality of players in the club system, particularly in smaller states like Tasmania and South Australia. But that also comes down to the visibility. And if you told the, the women's game even five years ago they'd be at the point that they are now, they probably would have laughed and said, in our dreams, maybe in 10, 15 years' time, but they are getting teams on a major free-to-air channel. They are having the, the final of, a, of their World T20 at the MCG, and they, they're a real shot of getting that record of 90,000. So the game is taking those big leaps and bounds. We, we see the numbers coming through in the junior game. It's, it's, it's on its way. It's going to be done the right way, and it's going to be done the right way, and it can't be done too quickly. Exactly. Otherwise, the work, the work that's been done now will be ruined. And that's the last thing anyone involved 
when any of these women's competitions want. Well, with that, we're going to take our drinks break from the um, from the course of the proceedings, but um, we'll be right back with part two of our WBBL. You are listening to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download on podcast.com, TuneIn Radio, Apple iTunes, Google Play and all good podcast sites. We'll be right back after this. The 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season has concluded with your All About Caring Sydney Bears winning it all. That doesn't mean it's all over for the year on the hockey front. Log on to bearsshop.com.au for all your Bears merchandise options. And stay tuned to Splinters and The Bench for updates coming out of the Australian Women's Ice Hockey League and the world's top competition, the National Hockey League. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. And welcome back to Splinters, the Bench Podcast on Triple H 100.1 FM, streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au and available for download on podcast.com, TuneIn Radio, Apple iTunes, Google Play and all good podcast sites. Of course, we do this all for our sponsors at Magpies Waitara, the action attraction of the North Shore and your AIHL champions, the all about caring Sydney Bears. We are talking about the WBBL preview. It's time to start the second session and we're going to be starting off... Move going cross town in Melbourne. We are going to be talking about the Melbourne Stars, coached by David Hemp. They finished seventh last year. And Matt Mears, we're going to come to you first off because the big signing is that name at the top of the list, Elise Villani. Well, I said, a polarizing figure in, a, in Australian cricket, someone we've seen probably more in the commentary box than we've seen in the green and gold in the last couple of years. But with the way that they've recruited here, the, the, the Melbourne Stars, there's going to be a lot resting on her shoulders if they're going to fly this year. And Tony, I believe you do have um, some thoughts about this Melbourne Stars lineup. Well, I do, and look, they've been probably like the, the great disappointments of WBBL so far in the first few years. They've recruited some good name players there. They had first pick of the Victorian squad at their disposal, and they've come up, you know, pretty much empty. The closest they've been was that loss to the Sydney Thunder in WBBL2 uh, in the final. Look, Denise Fellani at her best is as devastating a top order batsman, uh, batswoman as there is going around in the women's game. The problem is she's been too far hit and miss for my liking in recent years, particularly for the Green and Gold, and that's why she's spent more time off the field, uh, taking selfies and uh, shooting, um, you know, social media clips and actually being out there in the middle scoring runs. She's now lost her place in the Australian side due to others who have actually scored more runs than her. So it's a watershed season for her uh, with the bat. If she can play to the ability to be all those she possesses, she could have a bumper season and lead the Stars to a semi-final and maybe further. But frankly, I want to see her knuckle down and score some runs first. She's too much hit in this command and far too inconsistent. And that's going to be uh, left to, obviously, the, the others in that squad, the two South Africans who have come back, Lizelle Lee, Minion Japan, Lizelle Lee, very similar to Delaney, a hard-hitting opening bat at the top of the order who these days doesn't keep the South Africa but can still put the gloves on when required. But I've been looking to others in this star's outfit, like Annabelle Sutherland, who has been uh, earmarked for big things for, uh, for some time as, a, as an all-rounder. Uh, Alana King, who is probably still their best leg spinner, 
I mean, you had Kristen Beams, who is uh, not a bad number two, great uh, leg spinner, and Erin Austin, who's been uh, around for a heck of a long time on the periphery uh, of the women's game. You're throwing the likes of Katie Martin, the New Zealand keeper, and Greg uh, Fenn's Lucy Cripps and Tess Fintas, youngsters, and who in the future is uh, highly regarded. And then the forgotten post bowler of Australian cricket, Holly Furling, who has spent just as much time uh, very much like I am, Mike Pearson, in the newsroom of 4BC Brisbane, developing her career after cricket that she has uh, opening the batting. When she was going to be the next big thing, unfortunately, the fast batter's curse, the back injury has struck her down at a critical time, and a number of other batters have passed her in the packing order uh, now. So they are the sum of their parts, the man and the Melbourne stars. If they all come together, there's no reason to suggest why they can't finish in the top three and do damage in the finals, that they've got a lot of ifs and a lot of buts and a lot of maybes about how they're going to go. And for now, that's why they're going to be in that pack fighting for that third spot. Well, that was the one I was going to bring up as well, Holly Furling. Much promise. Made her international debut very young. Probably the, the tale of Elmick of three to four years ago, where a lot of pace, but then, yes, the dreaded back injury, the, the dreaded curse of pace bowlers in Australia. She's, for mine, one of the ones that are going to have to fire for this star side. Like Elise Fellani, someone that promises a lot, but we've yet to see really deliver on a consistent basis. If they do have the sum of the parts, as Tony said, if they all can deliver, they're going to give this WBBL 05 a really big shot. But in my opinion, I just don't think that they're going to have everybody firing all at once. And this is a worry that I've got in particular with the Melbourne Stars as a club, is that it seems as if they've now developed this reputation of being a club that promises much and has continually failed to deliver. Is this a fault from the players themselves, or is there something that's maybe um, smelling more from the back office of the Melbourne Stars? Well, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, far be it for me to have a go at someone like Eddie McGuire, who's been heavily involved with the Stars and virtually the year gap, and um, they had the likes of Shane Warren uh, come to the franchise in their first couple of years. And as I mentioned, they had the access to the likes of Meg Lanning and a lot of that Victorian uh, outfit in their first couple of years. And they did make a WBPL final. Uh, but since then, as I mentioned, they've been a sum of their parts and they've all got a fire on their own day. It's just hard to pick which day. Uh, I don't think you can blame the back office for that. At the end of the day, they can do what they can. Um, it's up to the, it's up to the players to put it together in the field and they just haven't done so often enough. Well, yeah, I think that's right. Until we can see a consistent effort from the Stars, I can't back them for semi-finals. Let's move on to the next lineup. Is going to be the Perth Scorchers, coached by Lisa Kitely. They finished fifth last year. Unlucky to miss out on the the finals. Players in and geez, there's some decent names that the Perth Scorchers have signed up this year. They've signed up Gemma Barsby, of course, from the Brisbane Heat. Samantha Betts from the Adelaide Strikers. Kath Heppenstall from Victoria. Georgia Redmayne from Hobart. But this we is think, we, we think we think we think we think. We, but, Matt Mears, this is the big one for mine. Natalie Siver returning to replace Kate Cross. Well said. We, we saw what she did in the Ashes series over the winter, and 
I said putting her in any side's just going to be a, a bolster to it. And when you look when you look through the line the side, you see the likes of Nicole Bolton, Meg Lanning, Heather Graham, who made her Australian debut, Amy Jones, the English woman. They just keep going through, and you get, and you can see that they have a nucleus of what's going to be a consistent side. Something we couldn't say about the stars beforehand. Certainly, and uh, for now, this is the side that have to step up this season and challenge uh, the big three, the two Sydney sides and the Brisbane Heat. On paper, they've got a side that can win the competition with uh, Basil and Radding to open, uh, only Jones at three, and then you've got Matt Schiller can come in anywhere four to six, as can Heather Graham, who finally got her uh, Australian colours run over the duel, a very... Uh, Quality all-rounder who can bat anywhere under six and can bat at a decent medium pace and move it around a bit. But we throw in Jenna Barsby and Shiva to that uh, lineup. Shiva alongside her the night was one of the two English women that didn't have her reputation dented by the uh, Ashes uh, series thrashing this uh, past Gavin Summer down. And this side has to step up and be the challenger to the big three. I think they can. Um, and if they stay together and injury-free, they could be the buzzer to emerge from the pack to challenge the big three comes any final time. The, of course, the players that have uh, left this year, Matt Mears, mm. of course, we mentioned Elise Villani has gone to the Melbourne Stars. Kate Cross is unavailable due to international duties. Laura Ebsery is uh, retired. Um but Visha Devshan, of course, has been unavailable due to international duties. Uh, Emma Banting, Emily Smith, Hayley Brennan released. The one that's uh, that's on the mind of uh, quite a few people here, Hayley Jensen, who was released but is rumoured to be joining her partner, uh, joining her partner, Nicole Hancock, at the Melbourne Stars. Again, we will certainly watch that space, but again, it's not—it's not one of the nucleus of that Perth Scorch side. The only one you could really say of the players out is Villani, who would have been a nucleus. But to be fair, I reckon they've got a better team without her in it. And Kate Cross. I mean, don't underestimate yeah. that. Kate Cross was, was uh, a first choice in that top order as well, but they replaced her with uh, Matt Shiver and exactly. Jim Abbasby, and maybe Redmayne if she comes over. And I've forgotten Chloe Tapano, who is uh, an underestimated all-rounder and is uh, a very tight off-spin bowler uh, in T20 cricket. So they've got... They've got the players and they've got the tools at their disposal, Perth, to take the step up and challenge the big three. They certainly do. I'd, I'd have them in my semi-finals. I think the consistency is going to be a big thing over this WBBL tournament. They've got that consistency. They've got the big-name players. They'll be they'll be playing semi-finals. Let's move on now to the two Sydney teams. We start off with the Sydney Sixers, who are coached this year by Ben Sawyer. They finished first. They lost in the final, of course, to the, Bris- to the Brisbane Heat. Um, at this stage, no players in, and the four players out, three of them are, were on supplementary contracts, which were Clara Yammer, Carly Lease and Talia Wilson, but the the player that they've lost here at the moment is Sarah McGlashan. The key, the big kid in Kiwi, has announced her retirement. Well, that'd be which, a big is a, which is a shame because I mean she was very much a brew in that Sydney Sixers lineup for the last couple of years, and look, she will be missed. But frankly, uh, uh, Musi, you look at this side, and there's no reason to suggest why we're not going to be there again. They've got the bonus of the Reese Perry 
uh, changing her mind about her move to Melbourne and her move to Victoria, uh, thanks to more often than not the international start of the summer, uh, which saw her more overseas as much as her partner had to is. So uh, she's decided to stay put for one more year with the Sixers, which is a real bonus and a real boost because I know that the Sixers were resigned three months ago to losing her, and that would have been a massive hire to fill. Well, so we, we talk about the stars and... and what consistency they didn't have. You put an Elise Perry in there, that would have just shot their favouritism right up. But Kevin Hurst stay with the Sixers, they're going to be one of the favourites. When you can have a top six that would probably have Perry and Alyssa Healy opening, you've got the likes of Ash Gardner, Aaron Burns coming in in that middle order. You've got Mario Jonathan, 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 Jon
fixers line up again this summer. Look, I think they'll be in the final again or in the semi-finals at minimum. Anything less than semi-finals with this lineup would be considered a failure. I couldn't agree with you more there, Tony. They've, they've got the lineup to do it. Again, they, a consistency comes into it. No changes in. This is a nucleus of a team that have been playing together for the last couple of years. They know their roles in this side. They know if they're not one of the big names, they've still got their part to play, and boy, do they play it by tipping them for the final. Now, there is one other thing that's got to be asked about this team, and it's going to be how this how the Sixers progress post Elise Perry. We do believe that this could well be her last year playing for the Sydney Sixers because once the WBBL concludes, she is off to Victoria to play in the uh, in the Women's Championship for them. Um, how does a, how does the Sydney Sixers prepare for life post Elise Perry? Well, quite simply, they drop the most uh, depth around them in the likes of Ash Gardner. They probably lean on now as their captain data. They need Kirk to come back again for another uh, couple of years. Clearly, Harry Silver-Holmes is the uh, gamble and the investment in the future. And there's no doubt about that. Um, 16 years of age. Ryan Cheadle's only 19. They're going to back those two youngsters to take the step up uh, going forward with the new ball uh, that Elise Perry's uh, departure will lead. As far as what the bat is concerned, I think they're probably going to rely on Ash Gardner to perhaps step up. The thing I've got about Ash Gardner is the knocks to the head that she's taken and uh, the concussions that she's suffered in the last two or three years. I still think it's affecting her batting more than she's letting on and that's going to be something to be managed over the next two or three years. Um, it will also mean that there'll be no weight placed on Alyssa Healy once Perry goes. Well, yeah, Alyssa Healy obviously steps up. The, the batting will be built around her for the Sixers. We've seen how New South Wales, they've named her skipper of the New South Wales Breakers. They see her being the, the one going forward to lead that side. And she looks like she can take that on, on her shoulders. So it, all I think it means for the Sixers without Perry is it, it's just more opportunity for those youngsters to step up. I don't think she'll be as missed as most people think. I think for Sixers fans like myself, it'll be disappointing not seeing her in the magenta anymore, seeing her in the green of the stars where – Melbourne Stars fans should be stoked if they get her coming there and not to the Renegades. But as a Sixers fan, I'll be disappointed to see her not in the team colours. But I do think that there's enough young talent there that they have enough experience to step up and fill the void. That's, well, that's, uh, that, that's enough of an incentive for fans to go out and see the, the Sixers this one last summer. The last chance you'll get to see Emily's period in the magenta. Let's move on to the last team that we'll be previewing tonight is the Sydney Thunder, coached by Joanne Broadbent. They finished second last year, got bundled out by the Brisbane Heat in the semifinals. Um, no players in this year, but the players out, Macy Gibson and Belinda Vakariwa, uh, both released, both likely to sign with the Hobart Hurricanes as well. Stephanie Taylor, of course, has gone to Adelaide Strikers. And Harman Preet-Kaur is uh, away on international duties for India. But considering that they've still got the likes of Alex Blackwell, Naomi Stallenberg, Rachel Haynes, and Renee Farrell, it is still, Matt Mears, a very strong lineup. It's, just, it's a big lineup there for the Thunder. 
you take those likes out of, of Taylor and, and Core out of this side and everybody would be thinking that it's a loss. But as I mentioned about Stephanie Taylor in the Adelaide preview, they were sort of batting five and six. They were letting their Australian name players bat ahead of them. So they probably weren't even playing to their full potential under the th- in the Thunder side. Now that just gives like the likes of... Um, Alex Blackwell and and the likes to have to really step up and fill the void, which I think they can do. Um, They're going to be there or thereabouts, the Thunder, especially when you've got a bowling lineup led by Renee Farrell, who's just the evergreen bowler. There or thereabouts, hard to score off. They're going to be a dominant team again. Whether they're going to be the same or not, I don't know. I am tipping them for the finals, but whether they'll make the final, I'm not sure. Look, I'm not sure to rely upon that uh, experienced chap that they have. Rachel Haynes has been in career best form. Alex Blackwell, well, um, she's, for lack of a better term, getting on in years now and doesn't play regular club cricket anymore. Um, she's divided her time between her media commitments and her commitments uh, on the board of cricket New South Wales. Uh, I think someone like Nicola Curry is going to be a key factor for uh, the Thunder this summer. Um, we've seen her finally reach her potential internationally. Um, she'll be taking the new bird and outside fail, uh, a skinny, quick bowler who uh, comes uh, onto the back quicker than you think, and more than a handy little order bat coming anywhere from three to six in the order. A lot of people are relying upon her to spare a lot of the runs, particularly if Haynes and Black will go far at the top of the order. Rachel Priest, the key winner of the green, is also going to be a key factor uh, for the Thunder as well. Alongside the true Western Sydney product from Penrith, Naomi Stalinberg, who uh, has been on the periphery of Australian selection for a number of years now, hasn't quite uh, got there due to the, the, the All-Stars that are in front of her in that chap order. And Lisa Griffith, let's not underestimate her, coming back from virtual retirement, um, she did that she had given the game away, came back at age 29 last season, and was more than handy, getting uh, in the middle order and batting second and third change. Look, and that's going to be allowed upon Hayes and Blackwood to score the runs. If they don't fire, the Thunder might struggle. Likewise, the batting behind Farrell and Keery with the new ball. Let me I think they'll make it. That, the semi-finals, that is. But whether they can make the final or not, given the, uh, um, the ghosts of what happened in the semi-final last summer with uh, that hit that Nicola Curry could have hit six inches either way and got the Thunder to a little Sydney final remains to be seen. Yeah, exactly right. I said, will those ghosts come to haunt them or will they come to spur them on? I'm not sure. I said, few new roles for different people in the team without the experienced internationals there. They will play finals cricket, but I, I, I don't think they'll make the final. Well, let's let's go through what our final predictions are going to be, and it looks like the consensus that we have in terms of the teams that will make the finals this year, um, it looks like it's going to be the two Sydney teams, Brisbane, and I, am I right in saying that you're tipping the Perth Scorchers to needle their way through? That would be my tip for yes. So you're not sticking your neck out because that's what I'm tipping as well. <laughs> now, the, for a bit of fun here, who do we tip for the spoon? For mine, I think it's up between, I think it's still up between the Hobart Hurricanes 
and the Melbourne Stars. Oh. I'm leaning honestly towards the Stars at this stage. Look, um, the, the Stars should be in that four, five, six battle. It could, there, won't, there won't be much of a margin between four, five, six, and seven and eight just quietly, such as the evenness of the competition. But if you had to put a gun to my head and ask me for a wooden spooner, Maybe the Hurricanes again, but I'm not sure. Yeah, I, I like how I like the recruitment that the Hurricanes have done, and as I said, as we keep saying, how close the competition is. Yes, they probably are a chance if they don't make the four that they could be eighth. But if I did have to stick my neck out, for me, with the inconsistency, it would be the Stars. Let's go to the matches that are coming up this this week. Matt means you've got them right in front of you there. I do. So we start. We kick off this Friday night with the big one. The 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 battle of the, uh, what is it, the, the Anzac Sydney, Bridge? The Sydney, ba- the Sydney Bash. Or the Sydney Smash, whatever they yeah. want to call it. Um, the Sixers versus the Thunder, the home of women's sport here on the North Shore at North Sydney Oval. There's no better way of starting this tournament. Tips Joel for the first match. Well, not only that, let's not forget the rest of the week too, if I mentioned earlier. Yeah, we'll go through all those games, for, we'll go through all those games, Tony. Yeah, let's get tips to start off with. Sixers, Thunder, first off, Tony. Oh, jeez. Um, Sixers are a close one. I think Hilly's runs on Emma Perry at the top of the order might be the difference. Yeah, I, I think I think yeah, too many players in form for the Sixers. Thunder will probably be a little bit slow to start. Not many, not as many um, of their players having regular cricket like the Sixers. A lot of them have been playing in the international series. So yeah, I have to tip the Sixers for the opening game. Who's next? Well, next off we go to City Power Stadium in St Kilda after we saw that ab- abysmal Shield game there, where both sides made six hundred. Hopefully they can. Oh mate, they 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 got part of the F one track from across the road and put it in the middle of the. Uh, of the pitch there, but it is the Stars versus the Hurricanes. It said it'll be interesting to see both our two of our wooden spoon picks here. It'll be interesting to see who can get started. Maybe they might be able to make some runs on this pitch. Look, um, I'm going to tip the Stars first up, um, only because they have some experience in practicing on this also part in the lead up. Yeah, I have to go to the Stars at home as well. Then we've got the, is it the Strikers and the Renegades next yeah, up? Yeah, at Karen Rolton Oval in Adelaide. Well, this is the start of the Adelaide uh, doubleheader across the weekend. Look, um, a lot of, like a lot of the franchises, they're both going to be looking to good starts and getting early wins. And maybe, just maybe, if the Bash sisters from New Zealand can fire at the top of the order uh, to start proceedings, although... Uh, Susie Bates did make a lot of runs for South Australia in the recent WNCL matches in the last uh, few weeks in the warm-up. Maybe the strikers can get home, but that's a maybe. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one there. I, I do tip the strikers at home, just. Well, with that, it's just about stumps here on our, on our preview. There are so many matches to get through this week. We may not have time, but we will have the rest of the WBBL starting on our regular show, The Bench, on Friday night from 6 to 8 p.m. There's so much cricket on for the WBBL for the first weekend. Well, as I said, we, we didn't even get to the other two games at North Sydney Oval. The Sixers taking on the Heat, then the Thunder taking on the Heat on Sunday. I said the Stars and the, the Hurricanes and the Strikers and the Renegades do play a doubleheader, as we mentioned. They play on Sunday again. There's going to be much, much more, and we'll be talking about it every week. Sixes to win Saturday, to win Sunday. 
yeah, they're going to be they're going to be huge games there. And I think we've talked about it before here on Splinters at the Bench, North Sydney Oval, perfect home for women's cricket. I think it is the home of women's cricket right here on the North Shore. And um, yeah, if you if you can get a seat somewhere nice at North Sydney Oval on Friday night, I wouldn't leave it. I'd just stay there till Sunday night and take in three. What are going to be three fantastic it's games? Great, it's a great place to be on a Friday night to go watch Sport North Sydney Oval. It's one of my favourite places to hang out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, that is Stumps here on Splinters for the WBBL um, preview. I want to thank our guest tonight, the Sultan, Tony Dozen. Well done once again. And another big week of cricket coming up this weekend. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Also, I always love to come and talk cricket, particularly women's cricket here on Splinters. It's going to be a huge summer for the women. We've got the BBL going into the T20 World Cup. I'm looking forward to talking about it every week on the bench. On behalf of Tony Dosen and Matt Mears, this is Anthony Ball Caruso. Thank you for joining us here on Splinters, the bench podcast on Triple HFM. 100.1 streaming live on the web at www.triplehfm.com.au make sure you also join us for the bench Friday night 6 to 8 p.m. our main show where we'll be talking not only the WBBL but also the New South Wales women's premier cricket until next time it's goodbye for now